Hey everyone, welcome back. It's podcast number five with Jesus Does My Taxes. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to our channel. It helps tremendously. And rate this podcast, give a little review. We are available on all the major podcast platforms. Again, thanks so much. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you today. Our very first interview for Jesus Does My Taxes. We've got Joel Kaiser, a client, friend, brother in Christ. He is the owner of Well-Rooted Gardens. Also got Ryan Amarone, and we've also got Jeffrey Cheney. All right, so we're really excited to have our first interview. This was carefully selected. We didn't just pick anybody. Joel Kaiser is a very successful landscaper. He was the son of a pastor. He has successfully ran a Christian-based business for many years now. I'm just going to give Joel the opportunity to introduce himself and just give you his life story in like 60 seconds. Yeah, um, as Al said, I'm a son of a pastor here in the Middle West of, of America in the, in the heartland. It's, it's, it's cold and snowy. It's supposed to hit negative 18 here where we're at, so it's cold. Uh, and uh, just humble beginnings. Um, born into a family that was really in poverty levels. Uh, my dad made minimum wage, taking on new ministry opportunities all growing up. Um, but he was very passionate about, about applying scripture to all of life, and that included business. And so he wanted to challenge myself and my two brothers. I've got an older brother and a younger brother in being um, entrepreneurs, but using the scriptures to apply that to your business. And so from the youngest age, he taught us uh, how to be entrepreneurs. He, didn't, he wasn't an entrepreneur himself, but he knew where to go for research. And so from ages six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, he told us, hey, guys, I want, you, I want to teach you guys how to find the answers in life. And so he taught us how to develop business plans, how to invest in the stock market, how to uh, start businesses. We've started multiple businesses as we were young in the teenage years. And that only continued as we get older. And now we're all business owners to some degree now. Um, and it was really cool to have a dad that coached us along. Actually, from a young age, he challenged us. He said, hey, boys, by the time you're age 13, besides the normal living expenses, your food and your housing, I want you to provide everything for yourselves. And we're like, whoa, that's, that's, that's daunting. He goes, well, I'm going to teach you how to do that. I'm going to teach you how to start businesses. I'm going to teach you how to earn an income. And it was one of the best things that he could have ever done for us as 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds to teach us how to find problems out in society and then provide solutions to those problems. Wow. Not my pastor. <laughs> that is pretty cool. So your pastor was your father and um, he instilled you from an early age, some entrepreneurial spirit. That's definitely quite different. You hear sometimes people talking about being a business owner or what the, you know, the pursuit of success is, you know, not Christian or whatever. That's interesting. That's interesting. Let me ask you real quick. Cause when yeah. you were, when you were, you know, uh, kind of <clears throat> going through that little story, it reminded me of, of a little bit of me being as a kid. I didn't, I'm not a, I'm not a PK, but, um, but I obviously had to work. Uh, my, my family came from very humble beginnings and I had to work really, really hard at the age of, I mean, I, I had a paper read at the age of five, right? So at the age of five, I'm getting up at Five, six a.m. going out, delivering papers, collecting the money so that we bring in a little bit of extra money into our family. And um, the one thing I, I look back, you know, today when, um, you know, however many decades later, I look back and I say, you know what that taught me was it taught me hard work. Yeah. Right. And I know from uh, Proverbs, um, Proverbs will say hard work brings a profit. You know, obviously just talk, um, you know, uh, brings only poverty. 
did that teach you? Do you think that taught you how to how to be a hard worker? Because at the early age, you were kind of it was that being instilled in you. Yeah, certainly. And I think we have a, a cultural problem now with the labor force. I am I employ uh, young men, and we have a an issue about hard work. People don't want to work hard anymore. And yes, I believe in working smarter. But there's an aspect. One of the best things you can do, particularly for young boys, is to teach them how to work hard. And then learn how to work smarter, but first learning how to work hard. And that's kind of contrary in these days in this culture. People think you're a bad parent for teaching your children hard work, but I think it's one of the best character traits you can teach your child from a young age. See, now I, I want, I'm going to share this with my wife. So when I'm putting my five year old to work, <laughs> I want her to know how I'm instilling good behaviors in them. <laughs> that's right. Well, and even teaching your your children, you know, I, I have five children and um, they're involved in our business. Um, and teaching them how to identify what's a problem and then what is the solution. Because ultimately all business boils down to that. Identify a problem that there is in culture and then provide a solution better than somebody else can do. That's what I do in landscaping. That's what you do in tax service. That's what Amazon does. But what is the problem and how can I do a better solution than somebody else can do at a cheaper price, maybe with better customer service and quicker. That's what bo business boils down to. Right. So Joel, tell us how you started your landscaping business. Yeah. By the age of uh, 15, I wanted to, I had a, a knack to be want, wanting to work outside. I had worked construction for my brother. He was flipping houses. Um, and so before I was 15, I was helping him flip houses. And then I started working for a, a local Christian landscape company that was down the street from us. Um, and it was a good experience. I worked there for about five years, but uh, there were some things I, I learned, even though it was a Christian landscape company, very few people that worked there were, were believers. And the character of a lot of the team members was, uh, well, I would say maybe lacking or wasn't fitting the, the vision I had. Um, a passion I had in business was not to have this uh, secular, sacred dichotomy where you are a Christian on Sunday mornings, but then the rest of the week, nobody can tell that you're a Christian. I wanted to live out my faith throughout my work. And I wanted it to really be a ministry not necessarily just a business first and foremost. And so in 2007, after I graduated from horticulture school, I decided I wanted to start my own landscape company. So I embarked out on that adventure of, of getting incorporated and start that business and then slowly hiring on my first staff. Um, I was really skilled. I, I'm still very skilled in the horticulture trade. Um, I'm a certified arborist and a certified nurseryman. And so there's only seven people in the state of Nebraska that have both of those certifications. And that was a unique niche that I had, but eventually I decided I wanted to grow the company bigger and start um, teaching the people in my team this business model, this vision I had. And I realized that if I stayed so niche in the market, if I had such a specialized vision in horticultural services, that I wasn't going to be able to grow. And so I started uh, changing the, the business structure and the model of how we grew this business. Um, and now we have about 15 team members. Um, and it, it's, it's been really cool to see how the Lord has, has grown the company from when I started with a wheelbarrow and a shovel in my parents' garage. So Joe, let me ask you this, because um, I hear this frequently in, we'll say, the Christian circles, right? We get the business owners and they say, listen, I just want to run a business. I want to have a ministry, right? And, um, and that's, that's the way I, wanna, I want my business to function is as, is as a ministry. And then I, I, I look at them and I, and I say, okay, well, what does that mean? And nobody really, I can't get anybody to really explain to me what that really means to them other than oh, I want to, you know, further the kingdom of God. Okay, great. How are you going to do that in your business? And, and that's where I think, um, I think a lot of people kind of get a little bit stuck or lost, or we say these, um, 
Christianese terms, right? You know, you said you wanted to create that ministry, have that, like, like, what does that exactly mean to you? How does that, so if, if I'm a business owner, right? And I'm saying I'm a new entrepreneur, even 20 years, it doesn't matter, but I'm sitting there and I'm saying, you know what? I want to change my business around. I want it to be more of a ministry and focus on God. What does that really mean? That is interesting. Um, most, uh, some people have asked me that and it's, it's kind of a, a backwards answer I give. Um, when most companies, particularly in the horticulture industry, um, we are not known in the service industry for high professionalism. Um, you're gonna, your, your team members are oftentimes temporary workers in the busy season. They're, you're known for high turnarounds. You're known for um, crude, crude people, guys with ripped up clothing that are doing drugs, maybe out in the front lawn. It's certainly not known as a professional environment. And I had a different vision. I wanted to, I wanted to be one of the best landscape companies in the city that we had. But I wanted it. I wanted people to see Christ through our work. And so in my hiring process, um, I've, I focused on the four C's um, in, in Christian ministry. They have the four C's of leadership, Christ, calling, character and competencies. And if you those that's like a four legged stool there. And if you're missing one of those, you're not going to have a very stable foundation. But what I noticed in the horticulture industry is that everybody was hiring, focusing on the competencies, the skills. Did you know this trade? Did you know this? And we don't really care about the rest. We certainly don't care if you love Christ. We don't really care too much about character and we don't really care what your calling is. We're just here to make a buck off you. And so my, my challenge was, all right, I want to first help people grow in life. And so I chose calling in Christ as my first ones. Obviously, first Corinthians 1031 says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that all means my business. And so I started hiring, um, uh, my first employee was my brother, my younger brother, and then I kept expanding um, with other people in my church maybe, or uh, associates or friends. And so to this day, every single one of my employees are believers because I chose, I wanted someone that had the same vision of Christ and calling their trajectory and then character and competencies was actually the last characteristic I looked for in my hiring process, which is backwards. Every single landscape company would hire if you had landscape experience. Um, it's it's funny. Every single one of my hires to this day, I've maybe hired 30 people. Not one of them came from a landscape industry background. I've hired engineers, welders. I've hired chefs, um, uh, office personnel. I've, I've hired a physical therapist assistant, and then I've trained them in our in our industry. It maybe takes me one or two years to put them through horticulture school. Maybe I get them certified. But we start with such a unique vision to get go. I can teach you the competencies later. I can teach you the skills of horticulture, but I can't, I can't teach you Christ. I mean, I can, but that's going to be an inward work. I can't teach you a calling. Um, and so that's, that's been the, basically the hiring process. And to this day, now, now my whole team embraces that. And it's, it's been a different way to hire, but it's been a way that's actually flourished greater than I could have imagined. Tell me about how you keep the culture going, right? So us Christians, we have a tendency on Sunday, we are on our knees praying at the Bible. And then as Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes, Thursday comes, some of us F-bombs start flying out of the mouth and whatnot, you know, things we shouldn't be saying, we're not glorifying. How do you maintain that, that culture throughout the week? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the million dollar question. How do you foster that, that culture? Um, in our interview process, my brother-in-law, I hired on as, as my operations manager and he, uh, because he had the passion that I did for people. And so a saying that we have is people first, profits second. Um, and in the landscape industry, 
particularly it's 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 a it's a very rough industry to to be able to make a good living in because it's it's certainly be classified as a, as a lower tier profitable company and so we try to be people first and so our team is first our clients are first and my whole team knows that they have the permission for me to take a break during the day if there's a prayer issue so i've prayed with customers that their spouses are dying from cancer um, my my team has permission to do that. My foremen and my managers have permission if they see one of the team members struggling from maybe a life issue during the week. He's allowed to go spend 30 minutes off to the side and work with that person. Hey, what's going on? What can I what can I help you with? And we don't want to be the cliche Christian where you have the bumper sticker, the fish on your car, because that really turns people off. I want to be a real Christian that doesn't make people uh, like hate me. I want to be the person like, hey, I want them to be working at our yard. I want them to be working on our property. And I think that's one reason why our team has had such a long retention um, value in the in the company is the team realizes the culture we have is so unique. No one's biting each other. No one's throwing each other underneath the bus throughout the week. We've got each other's back. And, and so there's a lot of practical things we do throughout the week. For instance, every single morning, we have team prayer meeting. We all gather in the shop right before the crews leave. And uh, I touched base with every crew leader, what's going on that day, who, what's their assignments. Each crew met with their crew foremans or their managers, and then we pray over the day and ask the Lord for safety and blessing. And we've been trying to do like a, a theme Bible verse maybe for the week. And that kind of rotates. Maybe one foreman gets to pick that verse this week and we challenge each other. Hey, how are you doing? Maybe it's on the concept of going the extra mile, or maybe it's the concept of, of being open and honest or trustworthy. And then we kind of talk about it through the whole week. Um, it's actually funny how many of my guys are listening to, to sermons or podcasts throughout the week in their headsets or on the, on the radios and then talking uh, throughout the week. Um, Another practical thing we do is uh, two days a week, I have one-on-ones with my foreman. I've got eight foremen slash managers. And so if I rotate once a month, I get to have a one-on-one with every single one of my foremans. And that's not for the technical training, that's for leadership training, where I ask them, hey, how are your crews doing? What are you guys struggling in as a culture? Or what are some of the team members, what are they struggling through? And what, what can I help you with this next week? Maybe I'll give them a reading assignment. Maybe we'll just be praying together. Maybe we'll be talking about, hey, here's here's a good lecture I listened to on that particular issue you're struggling with. Maybe the morale or people are throwing each other under the bus on the job site um, or picking on each other. And, and that's been a, a great way to really build up my leaders within the companies, having those one-on-one -on -one times. And then they get to, in turn, meet with the team members. Because I now that we have 10 to 15 people, I don't get to have that impact that I used to when it was me and one guy in a truck. We got to have all types of conversations. So last week, yes. I don't know if you had a chance to listen, we, we spoke briefly about staffing and our, our company culture, essentially. Um, how do you build your Christian beliefs into your company values and what you hold your, your employees? What standard are you holding them to and how do you apply your, your beliefs towards your company values, essentially? Yeah, I did, I did listen to your guys' podcast. I think you guys have a fantastic pod podcast. It's, a, it's such a relief to see your guys' vision and what you're doing in ministry. Um, we have a similar acronym for ROOTED instead of TEAM. ROOTED is our acronym. Um, and for what we're trying to live out, um, I'll quickly run through them. Relational is one that our team is a very relational team for our um, O for opportunities. Um, I don't like to see life um, through the, the through, um, I like to see problems that we can provide opportunities through. And so we don't look for security necessarily. We look for opportunities and problem solving, particularly COVID. The people that succeeded during 2020, they weren't the people looking for security. They were the people that looked for opportunities. Where can we find a, a, yeah. a solution? Um, another O would be others oriented. Our clients really know that. I would suspect we have about a 95% customer retention um, for all of our clients. 
because we're so client oriented in our communication process when we're at the job site. Um, the, the team knows that if the customer is carrying groceries in, they turn off the engines that they're running, they go help the lady bring her groceries in. Maybe they, we try to say, if there's a napping baby, may, hey, should we not run our concrete saws around one to two o'clock? Um, maybe it's moving our vehicles, right? Really living out, just being others oriented can go a long ways. Um, T, uh, T for teachable. Uh, we really want to be a humble group, particularly in this industry. It can be kind of rough around the edges. And so we will be humble. We will be teachable. Um, and that's hard for us men, right? We don't, we don't, we like to think we know what we're doing. Um, and so that can be a struggle for all of us. I try to really listen to my team too. I ask them, hey, what are some things that I'm failing as a leader? And actually it's funny, the majority of the failures in the company are normally on me that I need to be growing in certain things. Um, and so teachable energy is E. We are a very high paced energy driven company. We are go, go, go. We're not going to sit around. We're going to try to be very profitable in what we're doing. Um, but then D for dependable. And we're gonna, we're always gonna show up on time. We're gonna work till we say we're gonna work. We're not gonna call in sick because we wanted to watch the Super Bowl the night before and got drunk. Um, we, we, we are very dependable. And so that's kind of one basic acronym. And there's other aspects of where we can build each other up throughout the week, but those are some of the core values that we stand for. Joe, am I correct that all your employees are some sort of believer in Christ? They are, yes. Do most of your, uh, or if not all of your employees, if I, if I said rooted, they would be able to um, repeat that all back exactly what the core values are? Nope, we've, had, we've changed our core values. Um, that's a recent one in this winter. And so that's something that they're, they're working on. We've been, and we've even changed a few words. Okay, I think before opportunities was open, but one of them were like, you know what, open that kind of fit with the other one. So let's change that one. Um, and so the, the, maybe the foreman and the managers do, but that's going to be a, a goal this next year is to be really be talking about what those are. But they could tell you, what like our theme verses, which is First Corinthians ten thirty one, and uh, and our vision in that category. Mm, okay, most of our listeners are not running businesses with Christians that make up the bulk majority of the the staff, right? What can those business owners do, including us, Edwards mm. Ingram, right here? What can we do to make our business more of a ministry and less than a profit making machine? If we're not you know, a hundred percent believer based. And it's not, that's interesting. I have employed some people in the past that were not believers um, because I wanted to, to give them, they had maybe a story. I wanted to impact them. And I wanted our, our managers like, Hey, I want to bring this person with my wing, but it was interesting. They quit because I, I don't know if it was maybe they didn't know what to do when there was this culture around them that loved them. That was honest. We're not going to be holier than thou. We're very open that, okay, these are my failures that I'm, I'm struggling through. Um, or we've had countless times on job sites, guys are doing marriage counseling with each other as they're building a retaining wall. Hey, you shouldn't be saying that about your wife. You know, things like that. But people are like, whoa, this isn't what landscapers do. Um, and so what, what, what are my encouragements to other people? I, I do have one, um, one idea. I, I, I communicate with a lot of other landscape companies in the city and then throughout a few different states. And I know one landscape company and his ultimate goal in that company is to try to be as profitable as part possible. So he and I are always comparing numbers and his ultimate goal is that. But it's amazing that I think that is such a primary goal that his people are secondary. And so he always has turnaround every single year. It's new employees and new employees. And so, yeah, his numbers might be 5% better than mine, but I look at what he pays them or I look how he treats them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not the ultimate purpose for me. For me, a success is my team loves me. I love my team. We have this phenomenal vibe that works that we feed off of each other that gets us through difficult times we can get through the COVID environments because we have each other's back um, and that's something that you could do 
whether you have Christians or, or non-Christians as your staff, being that real dependable people with each other. And it does start at the top. It certainly would start with the leadership in the company, giving that energy and that positive vibe, which it's hard to keep that up on a daily basis, certainly. It is, but you know, it's, it's very true. So at Edwards Ingram, you know, we've, we've hired a bunch of new people in the last six months because we've had some um, major growth during COVID. Uh, it's funny because we're, we're now six months in and our staff are coming to us and um, we're trying to lead by example as well. <clears throat> and they're like, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I have one person who asked me this at least once a week. They're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you guys so nice to us? <laughs> and it's like, okay, you, you obviously have worked in places that have abused you. But then the second part is, you know, obviously if we're leading by a Christian example and we're putting our employees first and our team first, it becomes so strange to them that they almost don't even know how to handle it. But it's good because it starts to ask them questions like, what was I missing before? You know, what was I, what was I not seeing before? Oh, there's, there's still good in the world. There's still good people, right? So it, it helps ask questions. You don't always have to be pushing it down people's throat to say, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus right? It's, it's, it's you live by the example and, and you yep. can almost let the Holy Spirit go and ask the questions for them. Yeah. That's my, that's my little yeah. tidbit on that anyways. Yeah. You, you know, you kind of, the golden rule, everyone can throw that cliche around the golden rule is even people that don't be the professing Christians mentioned the golden rule do to others as you would have them do to you. But if you actually live that as a life, I knew, how, I knew what it was like to be employed. And so how did I want to be treated? Um, I didn't, if I made a mistake, I didn't like to be chewed out. And so I have a policy anytime a team member makes a mistake. I don't chew them out and I don't make them even pay for the damages of something they broke. I, I tell them, all right, what did we make a mistake in and how are we going to learn from that? And in the last year, I've probably had maybe, maybe it was the last three years, we maybe had two or three trucks totaled from maybe fl some fluke accident and the person feels horrible. Like, Hey, you know, maybe I should have been slower on the ice. And, and I'm like, Nope, I'm not going to make you pay for that. But what are things you can learn through? And they're like, Whoa, you didn't even chew me out. Um, and, and I'm like, well, what does chewing you out help any, anyways? I want to help you grow through this so that you can maybe be a better peacemaker in your family or with the people that are working underneath you. Just being that real person, um, it's it's not. Hopefully, it shouldn't turn people away. Um, I think normally the Christians that turn unbelievers away are the Christians that have this holier-than-thou mentality that act like they're so righteous, but at the end of the day, we're just being a hypocrite. But if you're really open with people and you say, "Hey, you know, what? I'm a sinner just like you, and I fail all the time, but I'm gonna. I've been given grace. I'm gonna give you grace. Go a long ways." Yeah, and it's true. You know, you you mentioned this earlier on that it's it's really starts with the leaders, and it's how we perform that really sets the tone. And um, you know, if we go if we go around, um, just like you said, giving grace to our employees, that goes a long way because I feel yeah. in most at least at least in our industry, right? There's very few leaders in our industry that actually provide grace. I mean, it's usually mm -hmm. like jump down people's throats, um, a little bit cutthroat, and um, and you could see it because when we when we bring in new staff. Um, they, they almost have like PTSD when they come over here. They're like shocked to see, you know, when we actually just even send them a compliment, like great job. They look at us like, what did you just say? And it's, you know, and it's like that across the uh, industries. But like, if we were to, if we were to, to treat our employees differently, like say, I don't know, we, we leverage against them. Right. And we pit them against each other and we do things like that. Like, you know, your culture changes in a second. I, I feel like it's really easy to introduce um, areas of, uh, of discontent than it is to maintain that, uh, that constant, almost like peace and, and, and growth and, and we'll say, you know, Christian value inside the organizations. I feel like we have to, I mean, I feel like we're working at it every single day where it's, I mean, I wish it would, I, I wish I could say, 
it's very natural, but I feel at times like we're working extra hard just to maintain that because you, you know, stuff comes up in life, right? Like uh, we have an employee who, who has some personal situations going on and this employee is, is feeling like, Oh no, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to get fired because I'm not able to put a hundred percent of myself into the work right now. And, and, and I had, I've said to her, I said, don't worry, we've got you. We're, we're covering you right now. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. We've all had, you know, we've all had these things in our life where we have to focus a little bit differently in time, but that's okay. We we've got your back. That's what a team does. And that's where, you know, you get the comment is like, what's wrong with you. Right. And I said that a couple of minutes ago. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it's a lot harder to maintain these values because I think sometimes our flesh wants to get in the way. And um, it's a lot harder to maintain these values um, at least, at least from ours. And maybe it's because we only started adopting at least in our, in our business um, only just not too, too long ago where we really stopped and said, what are we really doing? Right. Let's, let's, let's stop chasing that profit and let's start, let's start doing this the right way. And um, I don't know for you, because it, it sounds like you've been doing this for, for a while. Do you still find it challenging every day or is it becoming more of a natural uh, order inside of your business? Uh, I, I would say it's a daily challenge, um, particularly as things grow and you're identifying new weaknesses on a daily basis. Um, I would say it's maybe a little easier to swallow the, the, the times where I need to swallow my pride and recognize my failures or swallow my pride and, and help be a peacemaker with the team or show some grace. Um, but at the end of the day, when you live out that, that godly example, the profits and the success of the business will follow later. I love applying the laws of harvest to my business. And there's seven or eight laws of harvest. I can't remember all the top of them off my head. Um, it's actually funny. One of my dad's sermon series 20 years ago wasn't the laws of harvest. It's like an eight part sermon series, by far the best sermon series I've ever listened, listened to. I've re-listened to that sermon series more than anybody else. Um, and you reap what you sow. You reap in a different time than you sow. You reap in a multiplied harvest of what you sow. And so in business, if we're, re, if we're sowing certain things into our team, the goal is not necessarily more profitability or more efficiency or maybe better customer retention, but those are all going to naturally follow. But if your ultimate goal is the profitability or the efficiency, yeah, you might attain it, but you're going to have a lot of baggage or, or problems along the way. And so it's backwards to think business from a ministry standpoint, but if you're doing it, still applying biblical principles and business principles, um, you're going to see, a, uh, and it's not that you want to deny the business side. I try to spend about an hour a day reading business books or listening to business podcasts to become a better businessman myself. Cause you got to know the numbers. You got to know the company. Um, that's why you guys are my CPA uh, company now. Cause you guys, I wanted to improve myself from a financial standpoint in the company. Uh, if I could interrupt that's, that's you for kind a second. Of trajectory. I'm sorry. If I could interrupt you for a second, what type oh, of numbers please. are you looking at? I mean, we've been focusing heavily on the Christian aspect of this, but from a business perspective, what are you looking at as an owner in terms of, again, you said you had 95% client retention. So that's obviously a big number for you. Um, what type of reports are you looking at? What type of analysis are you doing when you're looking at your books and your numbers? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So um, we go back through our QuickBooks reports. Uh, just last year, um, I guess I should back it up. Some of our strengths are all also our weaknesses. Um, I have been a big Dave Ramsey person for many, many years. And so we have never really leveraged any debt in our company. And so that's been a, a, a plus that our team actually likes. But one downside is, is we grow so fast because our clients want us, we can't invest in equipment as fast as we have to just cash flow it. And so we've been maxed at about 25% growth every year. 
uh, in our sales because that's as fast as we can invest in new equipment, which has been it's had its ups and it's had its downs. And during 2020, it actually was fantastic because we didn't have any payments on any equipment like some of our competitors did. And they were shedding equipment. So we were able to acquire equipment at pennies on the dollar, a phrase that Dave Ramsey uses all the time, I might throw out. <laughs> um, and so going through, trying to certainly look at our net profit margins, where are our margins? Um, one thing that I have a passion is I want to pay my team better than any other landscaper pays them. And so and when I talk with other landscapers and they find out how much I'm paying my team members, they're blown away. We're easily 30% higher than any other landscaper in Omaha um, in, in, in the field because I, I desire to have a great life for them. And so we want to have as many benefits for them. We want to pay them well. Um, they're going to get paid first before myself. If there's anybody who's going to have hours cut, it's myself, not them. Uh, and, but then that also gives them loyalty. Whether they bought, they're like, wow, Joel has my back. I'm going to make sure I've got the company's back. And when you build that loyalty into them, the business numbers follow. So we use, you know, certainly use QuickBooks. We have some landscape estimating softwares that we've been um, utilizing and then going through different spreadsheets. Um, trying to increase our net, uh, net profit margin. I know a couple of podcasts ago, you guys were talking about uh, the, the 5, 10, 15, 20% margins of which ones are succeeding and which ones are failing, which I could see in the industry, people that are only in that 5 to 10% range, they were struggling more. And we're actually more in that 15 to 20% range um, one interesting thing, our financial advisor for our company, he uh, owned and managed the third largest landscape company in Omaha till he sold out. And now he just does financial uh, counseling. And he's never seen numbers like ours. He's, he, he, he knows the business better than anybody else. And yet he's like, I've never seen any landscape company be able to pay their team so well, still have such high profit margins, and yet not use debt to be able to do that as well. And he goes, how's that happening? And I said, I actually don't know why it's working. But we're trying to put the Lord first through it. And I guess it's just working out. Just trust the laws of harvest. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're accountants, right? So that's all we do is stare at numbers. We just can't help ourselves. It's like we wake up at night. And I think my wife even said to me one time, like she woke up and I was, I was actually just rolling off numbers while I sleep, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what we do, especially during like th this time of year where it's like tax season and, and, you know, we're working till like midnight every night. Oh man, I forgot where I was going with all this, but <laughs> it was going good. I got caught up in numbers, but we, you know, so we, we look at numbers constantly too, but there's, there's a point of like what you were saying where when you're kind of doing it God's way, like the numbers don't make sense. I mean, just even our business, I, I stare at this. I see this all the time. I can make sense of any numbers. I'm looking at what's going on in ours. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that would, you know, kind of go equate to what you said with the laws of harvest. And um, if you're doing it God's way, there's, there's just some things you just can't make sense of. And you probably shouldn't even try. I, I can't help it because it's the way I'm wired. I want to know, but um, it's fun to watch. Kind of, it really is fun to watch. And it, it is kind of like the, the tithing principle. You know, tithing off of your, your gross profit or your net profit 10%, that doesn't make mathematical sense. But God says in Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and try me. It's almost like God's almost like testing you in Malachi 3. He's like, try me. I'm going to bless you so much if you tithe first. And most people are like, well, that doesn't make mathematical sense. But it's not just math we're talking about. And, and that's in the business side, too. We've also gone to open books with the company. A couple of years ago, I decided to do open books. So when we do our year in review with the whole team, they get to see all the numbers of the company. And at first, I kind of didn't like that. But I was like, nope, I want my team to see it. But then I think last year, we might have given 15 to 20 percent uh, uh, to charities of our, of our total revenues to charities. And they get to see the, the ministry that we are doing by supporting other ministries. 
Um, but then they also get to see like, wow, we spent that much on fuel last year. Okay. I'll be more efficient when I drive. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's, it's, I, I love, I love how some Christian principles are the exact opposite of what the, the regular society world tells you to do, but yet, so, so it conflicts with our mind, right? Cause we're used to hearing, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. And the Bible says, well, no, do it the opposite way. And you do it that opposite way and you wind up growing like exponentially or having this, this, mm-hmm. this real great growth and, and it, you know, it's not growth isn't always about isn't always about profit, right? I mean, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing like you have this great culture that is really super hard to do in a business these days, because all you need is one little thing, right? One little thing to come in, and um, it can be like a poison and a cancer inside of your organization. So um, the fact that you're able to maintain it and keep it going, and I'm sure there's challenges, but to keep it growing, like that's that's like God's blessing on the business, right? Because you're trying to do it for Him, so He's He's helping you along that way. Um, because your focus is more along that lines. Hey, Joel, what's next for Well-Rooted Gardens? That's a that's a good question. Yeah, what is next? Um, this next year, last year we realized 2020 showed a lot of our failures. And so this winter we've done a lot of self-reflection. All right, what were some things we failed in this last year? And what are we going to do this next year? So we've done some restructuring. And so for us, it's uh, increasing the customer experience is our goal this next year. Um whether it be new softwares, we've promoted more people to management roles so that we don't have, so we have more people communicating with clients. Um, It's rare in the landscape industry to have that customer relationship so tight, but we want to increase that because that's the best marketing plan. We don't, I don't even think 1% of our budget goes to marketing because it's all word of mouth. And so we want to focus more on the customer experience and then the team culture. So we're trying to develop new strategies to, to have more team well, just this last week, my manager, he's going to start doing a monthly employee appreciation dinner on a Friday afternoon. You know, maybe it's an axe throwing party. Maybe it's pizza in the shop, whatever it is. But that's something to look forward to once a month, just a, uh, a time to appreciate the team. We do that on a yearly basis. Or like, why don't we start doing that more on a monthly basis? Something to really to buy in. Um, so I, I guess for us to be the, the client experience and the customer experience is something we're really focusing on here in, in 2021. Is there anything you want to say to like the average, uh, or, or I shouldn't say average, but is there anything you want to say to a business owner that you wish someone had said to you mm. uh, along the way that could have helped, you know, that could have, could have just made a world of difference for you? Yes, I do. I know a lot of other small businesses that maybe they have one employee, two employees, three employees, and they're kind of getting off, trying to get off the grounds. I've known several people that have tried to start businesses and then within a year they fail. I will say the U the, the U.S. government and the regulations do not make business owner business ownership easy. Um, if I would have known on day one all the hoops I was going to have to jump through over the next 15 years, I wouldn't have even started. It, I'm glad I was maybe just naive at first, but I I've really been trying to encourage more people to get more business coaching when it comes to starting a business because you may know your trade, you may maybe know how to be a roofer, but there's so much more to being a business owner than knowing your trade. It's knowing the numbers, it's knowing the business. And so I really encourage people get business software. I'm shocked how many people still don't even use basic QuickBooks. They still use paper ledgers, um, use technology to your advantage and then get business coaching in, in life. Um, I, I'm also a, a counselor in our church. And so I try to always have three forms of, of mentorship. I try to always be mentoring someone on a weekly basis. I try to have a co-mentor, maybe that's an accountability relationship. And then I try to look for someone that's maybe 15 years ahead of me in business and in spiritual growth, but in business. And so on a weekly basis, I try to find somebody in, in my industry and in the business industry and finance, take them out to lunch and pick their brain for an hour and a half. And I try to do that on a weekly basis. And I've challenged some other people that are business owners, try to always be learning and growing 
And you're not there in that, that meeting. I'm not there to toot my horn or to say what I'm doing. I'm there to pester them and ask questions. And everyone loves to be taken out just to be asked questions and to, to see how are they doing. No one's going to say, no, I don't want you to learn from me. Um, well, at least most people I meet with don't say that. <laughs> um, but I would really encourage that person that's maybe starting their business. Yeah, the American dream can still be had. Um, you can still do it. But I think it takes certainly a degree of humility to, to try to learn from other people's um, mistakes and their wisdom. There, there's an old saying like that, right? Regular people learn from, don't learn from mistakes, what, however that goes, right? Well, we, um, I always say everybody, you know, uh, you, you want to learn from wisdom and not from experience, right? Mistakes. There you go. Right? That's right. So, um, That's right. And I know that I, I'm just, I'm, I'm the uh, older guy in our company here. And, um, <laughs> and Alan Ryan repeatedly remind me. <laughs> but even still, I have two coaches. And, um, and I do that for, for a reason. Now, part of it is I'm getting a little bit older and I'm starting to finally realize I don't know as much as I think I do. And um, <laughs> the other side of it too, is that, you know, I, I, you have to be, it's, it's, a, it's a lot about awareness, right? So we, we need to be aware of ourselves. We can get caught up in the day-to-day -day and, uh, you know, kind of just keep doing what we're doing. But if we're not really aware of how we really are, and it's probably the hardest person to look at is yourself, um, yeah. it's, it's good to get coaches to help you through that stuff. I mean, they've helped me tremendously. And by, by all accounts, I think most people that would know me would say, yeah, he probably doesn't need a coach. And now that I have a couple of coaches, I'm like, oh, I desperately need coaches. Yeah. So, um, yeah. now mine's more about personal development than it is necessarily like uh, business training because we're CPAs, So we understand the business world, but, um, but, you know, don't, don't begin to, you almost have to be a little bit humble and, 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 don't kid yourself that you know more than you think you do. Um, and if you, even if you do think you do, get a coach, right? Get someone that can help you regardless, because um, you just, you just sometimes can't see what's right in front of your face uh, without someone being able to point it out to you. But obviously you'd have to have the humility to be able to, to listen to that person and accept what they have to give you. Um, and um, so that's, that's actually great advice. Cause um, I, I winged it for years and um, <clears throat> luckily I've gotten to a decent place. I wouldn't say it's perfect, far from it, but um, I, I wish I had gotten some, uh, some help much earlier on in my career to get to, uh, to where it is today. I mean, I guess uh, Ryan and I were actually just talking about this the other day and, <clears throat> and I was saying, you know, Ryan, the good thing for you is that um, you get to learn through a lot of my mistakes and, um, and mine. because- yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, great for you because you've got some absolutely wonderful coaches. No, I'm just kidding. You got some good coaches, but uh, <laughs> older coaches, <laughs> older coaches. But you know, the the good thing is that we're kind of doing this journey together, and um, we have some some age difference between all of us. So if they're if if like Al and Ryan are paying attention, they can learn from my mistakes, um, and then off of each other, if they're paying attention to each other, they can learn off of their mistakes and not have to you know, re-experience the painful parts of being a business owner. Because as you know, Joel, it can be, well, I'm bald because I've already pulled out all my hair. So, but, um, and Al, Al at a young age has done the same. God, but, um, <laughs> there's one left with a luscious head of hair. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, you get to these, these points where- For now, Ryan. For now. <laughs> being a business owner can be very, very frustrating because you're, you're constantly hit with things that you- uh, really they blindside you, right? You didn't expect them. They weren't there. You figured I can just go do my business, make some money. 
but then you're getting hit with, as, as Joel, you pointed out before, you've got government regulations, government rules, you've got business rules, you've got things you can do, you can't do, you've got taxes, you've got employee conflicts. You're constantly hit with a lot of uh, variables. And uh, if, you're not, if you're not prepared for that, um, it makes being a business owner very, very, uh, uh, very tiring, very frustrating, but it is rewarding if you can see it through and keep pushing. It's, um, I think it's eight and 10, right? Eight and 10, nine and 10 small businesses fail, yeah. something like that. It's a sad number because um, I think most of the failure is because uh, they just weren't ready, weren't prepared for it. Hopefully our listeners can keep listening to our podcast and, you know, take notes, you know, really, these are the lessons and the wisdom from people who have done it before. And we hope to bring on more great guests. Joel, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Joel. It was a pleasure having you today. Pleasure yeah. me, Joel. We couldn't ask for a better first guest on our podcast. Keep doing great work out there in Omaha. We're going to get out there sometime soon to Omaha. I just want to go to Omaha and say, Omaha. <laughs> so anyway, thanks you can everyone. Tell he's, you can listening. tell he's from the Northeast. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, all the way. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Um, thank you, Joel. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, and Scott, our podcast guy back there. Thank you. Uh, you make it happen every week. Everyone, if you're looking to do your own podcast, you know, you want to experiment with it and give it a try, contact Scott. Scott's on air. He has podcast solutions. He's been doing podcasts before they were even a thing. Uh, we'll see you next time for our next podcast. Have a great day.